Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today, as always, with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, thank you for listening. We're recording this episode on October 2nd, and this week has certainly been an eventful one. First of all, we witnessed one of the most contentious and upsetting presidential debates we've ever seen. The wildfires in the West are still raging, and the President of the United States has just been admitted to the hospital after testing positive for COVID-19. Yes, this has been an incredibly stressful week on top of so many others we've experienced in 2020. First of all, on behalf of the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast, I want to wish President Trump and First Lady Melania a speedy and complete recovery. And I would encourage all of you listening, no matter what your political preference or personal feelings are about the president, to hold positive thoughts for him and all those who are suffering from the coronavirus. Well, I must say that as far as the presidential debate this week, it affected me deeply and actually created some sort of shift in my consciousness. When we first turned in, I started to become annoyed at the constant interruptions. And then as the minutes passed, I became agitated and almost felt like a child when my parents were arguing as though there were some sense of imminent danger. And by the end of the debate, I was angry and indignant because I realized that the American people had been done a disservice for having to witness such intense animosity and unrestrained behavior at an event that was supposed to be dignified and informative. And I decided that I would redouble my efforts to do everything in my power to help promote nonviolent communication and respect among people. I felt so stressed and heartbroken watching the debate. For me, I had this feeling of dread, watching something so awful and not being able to do anything to stop it. And then when the announcement came that President Trump tested positive, it just made any of those feelings stronger. I started thinking, is this ever going to end? When do we get some kind of relief from all this grief? You know, I think a more helpful question at this time would be, what can we do to develop our coping skills so that we're not completely stressed out and burned out? We can't stop life from happening, but we can learn more effective ways to bounce back from setbacks and failures. That's when I started to really focus on the concept of resilience. Resilience is a wonderful word. For me, it's filled with strength and hope and opportunities to come back from the edge, so to speak, and begin again. And so, this is the topic we've chosen to discuss today. A scientific definition of resilience is the ability to reorganize in response to disturbances or constraints. Another way of saying it is the ability to cope with physical shocks and keep functioning or bounce back, like the way you can squeeze a foam ball and it will spring back into shape. In psychology, resilience can be defined as the process of being able to adapt in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or other significant sources of stress. Now, is resilience stronger in some than in others? Because we see certain individuals expressing more resilience than others, and they seem to be the exception rather than the rule. We tend to think, I wish I had that kind of resilience. But the fact is, resilience is an ability inherent in each one of us, 
And we need to be conscious of how to access it within ourselves, especially when we feel like we're lacking it the most. In other words, we all have the capacity to bounce back in the face of adversity. But what we need to develop are the coping skills that will give us the strength we need to bounce back from setbacks and failures. Earlier today, you came across an article that introduced us to the term soul exhaustion, and I thought that was such a relatable term. Both of us have talked about having this feeling of weariness, you know, still feeling tired and stressed no matter how many hours of sleep we might get. And it's been really hard to stay motivated, stay optimistic in the face of so much adversity and chaos, which just seems to have zapped us of our ability to bounce back. Yes, uh, soul exhaustion is what so many of us are dealing with now. So today, I respectfully challenge each of us to get off our affirmation and build the resilience we need to cope effectively with life. Once again, I respectfully challenge each of us to get off our affirmation and build the resilience we need to cope effectively with life. Let's talk about the way resilience shows up in our lives during this time of unprecedented financial and economic unrest. Yesterday, we were listening to NPR and heard a wonderful interview with Shelley Frost, the CEO of a Canadian business called Pacific National Exhibitions, which is a $60 million nonprofit organization and provides venues for amusement parks, sporting events, concerts, and film productions. This year, the business sustained a loss of $52 million because people have not been attending sporting events or concerts or amusement parks. As a result, they've had to lay off 4,100 of their 4,300 employees. 4,100 employees laid off. The interviewer, Kai Rizdahl, was shocked at this incredible loss and asked Shelley what they were going to do with the company. She told him that the company had been in business for over 100 years, and it was not going to go out of business now. She said, we have the team and the innovation that's going to get us out of this. As the CEO, I have to be looking forward to a positive future. And I'm staying very focused on what we can do, not on what we can't do. I was so impressed with how resilient Shelley Frost was. Clearly, she was aware of the devastating loss her company had sustained and was deeply concerned over having to lay off 4,100 employees. And yet, she chose to pull out all of the resilience she had and made a clear and conscious choice to redirect their efforts and create something new with that company. You could tell that she really had been working on her resilience. She explicitly said it was her job as CEO to do everything possible to motivate her employees and reimagine the company taking steps in new and original ways. So what I took away from this interview is that Shelley Frost had cultivated her ability to stay grounded in the face of extreme adversity, number two, take necessary steps to keep the company alive as long as possible in its present state, three, have faith in herself and her team to generate a new way of doing business, and finally, make the choice to focus on the possibilities rather than the pitfalls. 
Yeah, Kai Rizdal was really amazed that she could see a future for the company in spite of such devastating losses. But she was so clear and focused on what was hers to do, and she made those choices to do them. I know. There's no doubt about it. One of the wisest choices we can ever make is to develop behaviors and skills that will enhance our ability to be resilient, especially now when we're moving into new ways of living our lives and, in many cases, changing the way we do business and the way we do life. So Matthew and I want to share five key ideas today that will help develop resilience and move us from soul exhaustion to a place of energy, self-confidence, and inner poise. Now, the first step is self-acceptance. This is a process in which we recognize and honor the many facets of our personality. As a rule, we see ourselves in very limited ways. We tend to criticize ourselves without honoring our virtues. We regard ourselves as less courageous, less flexible, and less inventive than we really are. Now, the obvious problem with this mindset is that when we're faced with adversity, we don't feel we have the ability to rise above it. We find ourselves easily overwhelmed, fused, more stressed and fearful that we won't be able to find our way out of the challenges. When we learn to accept ourselves by honoring both our strengths and weaknesses, by looking at our past and recognizing how many times we've overcome difficulties in our lives, we begin to realize that we're competent. We're capable of rising to the occasion in the face of adversity that there is potential within us to do whatever is necessary to fulfill our needs and to find a way out of whatever crisis we might be in. And so make a list of the times in your life when you weren't sure you were able to get past a situation that you thought was too much for you. Think about it. Meditate on it. Remember how you struggled with it and remember how you overcame it. Accept the fact that you're stronger and more resilient than you have ever given yourself credit for. The second key to developing resilience is to be grounded in reality. Ask yourself, what are the actual facts of this situation? We need to do everything we can to avoid being in denial. Accept the challenge for what it is and avoid catastrophizing. We're never going to experience our resilient nature if we're continuing to deny the problem or or thinking of it as impossible to overcome. At the end of the day, it is what it is. When we're honest with ourselves about what we're facing, we're in a much better frame of mind to be able to deal with it before it becomes bigger and even more difficult. Yes, being grounded in reality is something that is very, very important. And for me, I ask myself that question as a rule, many times throughout the day. Am I seeing this as it is, or what I'm afraid it is, or what I wish it is? And so being grounded in reality is really, really important. Now, the third key involves coming to terms with what we can control and what we can't. There are always things that we're able to do in times of great challenge that will help us feel less like a victim of circumstance. But we also have to accept that there are things that are just going to be out of our control. Fixating on those things just increases our frustration and leaves us feeling more angry and helpless. 
we need to stop fixating on what is beyond our ability to change and work diligently on what we can do. For example, during the extreme challenges of the Apollo 13 mission, the astronauts were fighting to survive in a spacecraft that was damaged by an explosion in the oxygen tanks. The most important thing they could do was find a way to return home and prepare the landing module for a safe re-entry. The operative phrase for the astronauts was, failure is not an option. But the question is, what could they do to prevent it? They realized that the most important thing they needed to do was to remove carbon dioxide in the air. And so they thought about what they had, they took a look at what was available to them, and with those components available to them, they developed a device using a plastic bag and duct tape, which was a triumph of ingenuity and a tremendous example of what can be done with what we have and finding a way to do it. The fourth key is to feel our feelings without shame or blame. Being resilient doesn't mean forcing ourselves to stay strong by ignoring our pain. We need to allow ourselves to feel the pain without losing ourselves in it. It's really important to understand the paradox of feeling vulnerable and at the same time feeling strong enough to do what is ours to do. It's called feeling the fear and doing it anyway. The goal isn't to ignore our fear, but to acknowledge it without giving our power to it. Yes, this is a real balancing act. Feeling our feelings and at the same time being able to move ahead. It just expands our understanding of who we are and what we're capable of doing. Now, the fifth key is to let go of the need to overthink and spend too much time dwelling on the problems. It zaps us of the energy we need to propel ourselves forward. Our goal is to move from the level of the problem to the level of the solution. There are always going to be some things that we'll never figure out, and we need to come to terms with that and keep our energy focused on what we want, not what we don't want, not what we wish never happened, not what we thought should have happened. There's always time later on to figure out why this happened, who was responsible, and how to find ways to keep it from happening again. Our goal and concentration needs to be on the here and now. One of the things I notice on social media is that people seem to immerse themselves in the hopelessness of the problems to the point where we become helpless and exhausted and angry. We're getting lost in this cycle of fixating on bad news and waste valuable time and energy in the process. Yes, I saw a documentary recently about an individual who had been so traumatized that he was unable to bounce back and live a normal life. This happens to a number of people, I'm afraid. This man had been a school teacher, and one day he found a letter in his classroom addressed to him from several students who were plotting to kill him. As soon as he read the letter, he became terrified, and he couldn't go back to work. He left his wife and children and moved into an apartment that he almost never left. After a while, he was diagnosed with PTSD. And seven years later, he was still convinced that he was going to be killed. He almost never left his home and constantly lived in fear. 
His wife and teenage daughters intervened and let him know how important it was for them that he returned to be part of their lives. They really believed in him, and they realized that even though he was paralyzed with fear, they believed it was possible that he could get treatment to free himself from the mental and emotional prison he was in. Finally, he agreed to exposure therapy, which involves confronting and connecting with feared situations and thoughts and feelings. He allowed the therapist to escort him into the school where he had first received the threat and to sit in his classroom and be there with his feelings. He was terrified, but he did it because he wanted his life and his family back. After a prescribed series of sessions with the therapist where he returned to the scene of the incident, he was able to realize that, in fact, he did have the coping skills or the resilience to experience a normal life once again. Gradually, he's taken his power back and is making positive attempts to reconnect his family. A very, very powerful story. I was really excited to find that some therapists are beginning to use virtual reality technology to help their patients confront their fears. But the fact is that while there are many therapies that are effective in helping PTSD patients, the key is for the patient to be willing to access an inner strength and resilience they didn't know they had. It's really important to remember how many times in our lives our resilience has helped us bounce back from adversity. What's interesting, though, is even though we might know how strong we are, it seems like the next challenge that comes up is always one where we think, oh, this time I can't do it. But that's really part of the process, isn't it? Absolutely. It's definitely part of the process. And it's a real hero's journey to be able to face a situation that is totally unfamiliar to us and seems more challenging than anything we've ever experienced before. But every hero's journey begins that way and ends with triumph over tragedy. And the end of every hero's journey is the beginning of a new one. Resilience is the key to transformation. And so before we close, let's go over the five keys to building resilience. The first one is self-acceptance, and that is to remember that you are stronger and more powerful than you've ever believed yourself to be. Number two, be grounded in reality. Don't be afraid to identify the situation as it is without having to catastrophize it or being so afraid of it that we minimize it and go into denial. In order to access our inner resilience, we need to be grounded in reality. Key number three is coming to terms with what we can control and what we can't. When we focus on things we can control, we find that a level of ingenuity and wisdom is opened up in our brains, and we can do things with certain items or certain situations that we never imagined we could do before. Number four, feel our feelings. Don't stay in denial, but don't give our power to our feelings. Just be able to feel the feelings, observe them, acknowledge they're there, but don't take an excessive time to dwell on them. Key number five is to let go of the need to overthink 
and spend too much time dwelling on the problems. It zaps us of the energy we need to propel ourselves forward. And so once again, I respectfully challenge each of us to get off our affirmation and build the resilience we need to cope effectively with life. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please subscribe on our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com, and connect with us on our Facebook page. We're really looking forward to hearing your feedback and your suggestions for what you want us to talk about. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.